0: Gonna start on the three shot today because we're running behind, and you know Pearl Gonzalez, you you pull off the fashionably late quite well. I just run around like a lunatic and stress out, and it doesn't help that you pour gasoline on my fire. Ray Longo is <laughs> like an audience here, just laughing at how you're driving me crazy. Yeah.
1: Listen, I'm gonna be late, so I don't need to accept it. You need to accept
0: it. That's that how, what how it my is? life works. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah. Ray, any pointers here on how to deal with this madness from Pearl Gonzalez?
2: Hey, TJ, you know what the problem is? It's the same thing every time, though, and you just keep going. And sh- I don't think you're going to change Pearl at this point. It's just it's like a, you're like an old married couple. That's what it seems like. You know what? Uh, Based on- you When you were yelling at her, could you see her or no?
0: No, no, I could not see her at all. I, I just I- hear her going, TJ, I need this. And I'm like, Pearl, I-, I need to not melt right now because I'm that close to just melting down. But... Uh
1: well I was making faces at you you missed it they're really fun
0: oh that's that's fun I appreciate that bro <laughs> thank you uh we are here Ray longo where do we start man like I, I I honestly feel like Ray Longo might be experiencing the strangest year in mixed martial arts like am I off with that Ray no you're a hundred percent on the, and if Marab
2: doesn't make up for it this week I might Jump off! Uh, you, you it'd be good for you, Pearl, because you're you're close to the Verrazzano Bridge. I'm just gonna jump <laughs> off. Of you. So we're we oh, putting a lot of pressure on Marab to bring us back into focus.
0: I don't even know what that means. I mean, I do kinda, but also not not really. What, what what bridge is this? I don't I don't know.
2: Oh wow! Where's you this bridge? About the, how about the Brooklyn Bridge? That oh, is, is that about? what it's called? Well, no, it's called the Verrazano Bridge, but it is in Manhattan. There's a couple of bridges. All right. So is it bridge? I was going to uh, pick the one closest to Pearl so she
0: could witness my uh Oh yeah. I mean that's true. P- Pearl's yeah. now uh you know like based in Brooklyn. You're uh, you're an I'm East Coast I in New gal. Yorker. Pearl's a New, New Yorker. Yorker. New Yorker. Is that that's is that what it's called? No.
1: No, no? not even close, TJ. All
0: right. Then what is it called?
1: <laughs> New Yorker. Yorker.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna put you two on camera for a moment because, like I said, everything's falling apart over here. I'm trying my best. I got to fix something. But you know what? Why don't we just start with uh, kind of what I was referring to? Ray Longo is, is definitely can you see me? yes. I can see you. <laughs> we can see you.
1: Okay, I can't see myself. Um, but
0: okay. Look, looking, looking at how, how this year started for you, Ray. Uh, Aljamain Sterling captures uh, a UFC championship in the uh, oddest of ways with the the Peter Yawn. Uh, illegal knee. Uh, you know, being removed from the situation. I-, I feel like justice was served. the right, right. thing uh, absolutely happened. But then what you had to experience on Saturday night with with Chris Weidman, it, it just you you can never think that you've seen it all in this sport. is that is that a fair uh, saying Ray? i I, th- I believe so. you know what I mean? and I think the sport
2: will still keep surprising us no matter what. But uh, yeah, just weird the way the Aljo thing went and then, you know, Chris had a great camp, easy weight cut, head was in the right spot. And uh, I really just wanted to see how it was going to play out because I thought he made some adjustments and I I, I was really excited for his fight. And you could see even with the the way he threw that kick, the velocity and the intention, He was looking for bad intentions the whole fight. I really believe that was a fight he was going to go for it. And uh, just, you know, it, you, it's hard to believe. It just, it really is. Because it was, it, you know, if, the, if it would have been in the third round where, you know, it was a good fight, that's one thing. But 15 seconds in, 12 seconds in, uh, you're actually not even sitting back down on the stool. And then you're wondering what the fuck just happened. So, uh, Obviously, my heart goes out to him and, you know, on another note, too, you know, even Uriah, his whole team, uh, Saad and uh, uh, Clayton, I believe. I'm I'm getting everybody's name wrong, but they were just, they don't, nobody wanted to see that happen. You know what I mean? They were just very nice guys and I think they handled that the way it went down, you know, perfectly. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll get to do it another time. But crazy, 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 crazy being there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious if we can get an update on, on Chris. Uh, I reached out to him via text message. Obviously, he's got a lot of things going on. I can't imagine uh, yeah. it's got to be a full-time job just trying to get back to everyone for him. Uh, when's the last time you talked to him?
2: I talked to him yesterday. I'll tell, well, I'll tell you what the problem is. I talked to him yesterday for a pretty decent amount of time. Uh, we went through a couple of things, and then uh, the kid Tom Lane that was also in the corner called me today and said he went over to see him. And he asked him if he spoke to me and he said he wasn't sure. (laughs) So so I guess the medication is still uh, hasn't worn off yet. So I said, really, we talked for we talked for a long time and I thought it was the conversation at substance. So I guess, uh, you know, he's still maybe out of it a little bit. So I wouldn't expect uh, too quick of a reply on anything. Yeah, he, he, he sounded great to me uh and you know the, the operation was uh was a success uh the only negative part for me was originally the doctors said you know it would be like six to eight weeks uh kind of recovery which sounded a little crazy but they were very adamant about it and then so like they the thought he would be walking in in yeah. the- really wow he said they just did one yesterday like it was like nothing and then uh They changed it to six months after the operation, which is now, they said it's like an ACL six months to a year. So I think that really hurt him a lot because, you know, I think everybody, because it seemed like it was going to be very quick. And now it's going to be like six months to a year, which that changes, you know, he'll turn 37 in June. And, you know, it'll almost be, well, he's close to 38. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, he's not a quitter. And, uh You know, people were asking if he's coming back. I don't think you're going to keep that guy down. I think he's definitely doesn't want to go out like that. And uh, we'll definitely see him again for sure.
0: What was interesting to me was hearing um, him talk about, uh, I guess, with uh, with John Anik. John was talking about how uh, Chris was, was looking for these silver linings. Like in the moment where his body is nearly going into shock because he broke his leg in half, he's trying to find to spin it forward and, and be positive. And Right. You talk about the drugs. Obviously, he needs to be kept out of pain. But I think at this point. Really, the the strength that he needs to call upon is that of his mental strength, and and just n- not even think about fighting, but just think about being in the right mindset to take care of himself, because that's where the real battle here and you know lies. Yeah, well, you
2: know, the, yeah, remember I've always said he's had twenty three surgeries, now twenty four surgeries, wow. so he's no stranger to being in the hospital and and coming out, and you know, even you know those neck surgeries are no joke. Probably, I'm I'm assuming on a wrist level worse than this. This is a broken bone, which the visual of that is insane. Nobody could look at that without, like, you know, getting a, uh, a queasy stomach. But, you know, I think a broken bone is better than having, like, CTE or, you know, like, you don't want to get paralyzed, you know, with the neck surgery goes wrong or something. So I'm not a doctor, but I think he'll be all right. And, uh, you know, like, again, he, he'll get through because he's been through it. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and he... You know, I think what he's saying, you know, it's how how you're going to look at you can't nothing you can do about it now. It's just how you react to what happened. And I think he'll put himself in a positive.
0: He'll spin it positively, which is great for him. Pearl, what's the the worst injury you've had to battle with, like shelf time?
1: Um, I've been out a year for my neck and um, back. I've had bulging discs in my lower back and, and just reoccurring injuries there. And then my neck as well. I had a herniated disc in my neck and was in a neck brace for a while. Um, fortunately for me, I I didn't need surgery, Um, but for an athlete, for a professional athlete, injuries are devastating. You go from working, working in the gym, and you're working, and you're focused usually on something, some kind of goal, a fight, or whatever's in front of you, and you're working towards this, to all of a sudden, your life stops completely. I mean, and if, if it's your hands, if it's your legs, you can't use the bathroom by yourself, you can't wash your own ass by yourself. I mean, It is devastating and to to go from being so focused and driven on the next goal or whatever's in front of you to your life coming to a halt is really hard for a lot of people to accept. And and, uh, even for the way that we work out as athletes, it's almost an addiction in a sense because we have dopamines that come out when we work out and now you're not having those dopamines released. So now your brain and the, the chem, there's a chemical imbalance going on as well. Right. And, and, and that's, that's really hard to, to overcome and to deal with in the moment. Cause not only are you having this chemical imbalance, but you can't wipe your own ass or you can't move. And it's really hard. So at that point you have to accept that, you know, you're used to rushing and going, you things stop. So what can I do in this moment? Like I, I'm, I'm painting, you know, I'm coloring, like, You've got to find something to to also entice your mind and, and engage yourself in something, but at the same time, the most important thing to do is relax your mind, relax your body, you know, eat good, and and just focus on healing. So, I, I cannot imagine. I have a question for you, Ray. Yeah. You went you went through this a few years ago on the other side with Anderson Silva. And now here, here we are. You went through it again. Like, what is does that feel like as the coach? You're so invested. I mean, he's he's your family. You right. know, and you guys are so close. And to see, right. first to witness it on the other end, and then to see it happen to him, like, what did that feel like in that moment?
2: Well, you know, it's funny because even with the first time, you know, we took a lot of criticism, even Matt saying something, but we 100% did not know what happened to Anderson Silva. I thought maybe he hurt his knee or... You know, he. You know, whatever. Same thing with Weidman. I did not know when he when he landed that kick. I'm I'm ninety percent sure. I said, great kick, and then he wow. was on the floor. And then I still didn't know what happened. I didn't look at the screen yet. And then I was like, holy shit! And then Dana came in and said, you know, when what are the odds of that? And you know, just assured me they'll take the best of care of him, and we'll do this and we'll do that, and which was very nice of him. But um. Yeah, you you you're not processing it at that time, Pearl. It's like, I cannot believe what what just happened. I re- and I couldn't. I go, what are the you know like, what are the odds of that, man? It just was was crazy. But um,
3: Damn.
2: You know, you know, when you've been in this game long enough and you stick around long enough, you're gonna go through shit like this. There's nothing you could do about it. I don't. I really don't think so. If you get out of this game, uh, unscathed, man. That that's a that's a that's a plus in itself, right? Yeah. Why mm-hmm. I, love it. I really, really love and respect what Khabib did, man. He got out on top, man. You're never going to see that guy in a bad fight. Your memory of Khabib will just be total dominance of whoever he fought. And I think you've got to give that guy credit for stepping away at the high point in his career. I think they said, like, even Joe DiMaggio, my, my old man would always tell me, he got out at the top, man. He didn't wait. He didn't want, you know. Right you know, to where he looks like, a, you know, something's going wrong. So I, I love what Khabib did for that reason. And, uh, you know, like, again, this game, if you stick around long enough, look, even Masvidal, who I, I really love as a fighter, 50 fights, he's never been knocked out. You know, same with Masvidal. man. if he walked away, your last memory of Masvidal is him beating the crap out of askrin and you have all of that stuff. And he, he's still good. It's not that, right. that way. Yeah, you know, yeah, he'd yeah, have understand. to stick around longer and get you know, hammered a bunch of times, but I I do think that there's a, there's a, I, I love people that can walk away at the top for that reason.
0: Uh, I was looking at our uh, chat that uh, our producers, Frankie and Steve, put up. And, Pearl, when you kept saying that you can't even wipe your own ass, I was afraid the chat was just going to get really out of line <laughs> with that one. But, no, uh, someone uh, on Twitch said, uh, speaking of neck surgery, uh, they hope uh, Aljo is healing up uh, as well. Any Anything uh, that you've heard uh, from Aljamain Sterling, Ray? How's he doing?
2: Aljo looks a- Pull me an update on Aljo. He looks great. Let me, let me get my resident- See, he's been living with Aljo for the last two weeks because he's going to help me corner Marab. Okay. You guys know Pumi, Nakoda. Keep your eye out on him. Undefeated, pro and amateur. He's going to be in there. Say hello to everybody. How are we doing? How are we doing, guys?
0: We're we're good. We're good. Thanks for invading uh, extra rounds here.
4: I can't see you. Um... I was oh, yeah, feeling a little bit better. Um, i tell you what, man. He's moving better than anyone I've ever seen with a neck injury or in coming off of a neck surgery. So, uh, yeah, he's looking good. Awesome. You go. Yeah. Good
0: see, see per, you hear Pearl in the background. She's directing me. She's like, TJ, I can't see him. I can't see him, <laughs> TJ. Fix it, TJ. Out
2: of the screen. Take a big look. This is my favorite guy right here. Look at him. Look at that smile. There we go.
0: Man, he, he deserves the whole screen, Ray.
2: Thick thickness smile. Yeah. Look
0: at that, million-dollar smile. It's so a million-dollar smile.
1: have you been helping him with his recovery? Is is that, um, is that what you've been doing, is just kind of helping him with that?
4: Oh, um, well, I mean, he's been beating me in chess, so I'm helping him with his confidence. But, uh, that, no, <laughs> that's awesome. He's, he's just doing the PT at the UFC PI. Uh, the girl Heather there, I think you know her. Um, mm-hmm. She's taking care of him really well. And, uh, but, yeah, that's it. He's feeling better.
0: Yeah, he's here to help Marab. That's yeah. what he's right. doing yeah. in that oh, okay, okay, early years, so... Yeah, Marab uh, ready to go coming up uh, this uh, this Saturday night. We can start with Marab, Ray. Why don't we get into some of our uh, breakdown from the UFC fight night? It's just uh, a couple days away. We normally roll on a Wednesday. Uh, it's funny what a day makes. I mean, tomorrow is already way in days. Uh, you know, your thoughts on on this matchup for Marab? He kicks off the uh, main card, taking on uh, Cody Stamen. Stamen, a very tough uh, fighter, to say the least. Uh, Marab, though, has been uh, on a very nice run, but Stamen has been, uh, you know, someone in this division for a a little while. Your thoughts, Ray, on, on what this fight looks like uh, coming up here inside the Octagon on Saturday?
2: Yeah, look, I think it's a great matchup for um, Wait, let me just get back in yeah, here. Yeah, i yeah, sorry yeah, about yeah. that. I think it's a great matchup for uh, Marab. I think he's going to do what he always does, which is push a, a really good pace. And, uh, you know, we a lot of respect for Cole, Cody. Love him. And, you know, he's he's fought everybody's for You know, he's definitely a, not a veteran, but he's definitely uh, been around longer than Marab. So I think it's a great Fight for Marab to step up in the rankings a little bit, and uh, I'm I'm expecting a tough fight. But I think the pressure of Marab uh, is going to be probably too
0: much for him. When I look at uh, the way that Marab fights, I, I really enjoy his style because, you know, a phenomenal wrestler. And that wrestling allows him to kind of be a bit more unorthodox with his strikes, Ray. Uh, what, do, what are your thoughts on on the way that the wrestling actually allows Marab to maybe do things that other fighters shouldn't necessarily do on the feet? Because he kind of throws uppercuts in weird situations and, and, and throws moving forward where I think other fighters would be more close to home, more close to that base to make sure they don't give up a takedown.
2: Yeah, no, he's a a mad hatter, TJ. He really is. He's a mad hatter, and he will. But I think you're going to see this fight because he's definitely, his hands are getting a little better. So I think you'll see, uh, I think he's going to surprise a couple of people. Uh, It took a while for him to have confidence and believe in it, but I think this might be the fight where he comes out with that. But you're right, though. He'll just throw to get his takedowns, and, you know, he's got a great chin. He's fearless. He commits to everything. You know, he's not going to do Anything half assed, whether it's right or wrong. Uh, so, but I'm expecting to see a little more composed pressure this fight.
0: When you look at uh, Cody Stamen, he's coming off uh, a loss to Jimmy Rivera, got a win over Brian Kelleher before that, uh, as well as Alejandra Perez. Uh fight before that, he fought uh, Aljamain Sterling. A- anything that you saw, Ray, regarding uh, Stamen in, in the Sterling fight and that first-hand experience with a teammate, you know, someone that has trained with Marab, is 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 that intel that you guys can use for this fight coming up on Saturday?
2: Yeah, certainly. It's always good to have, you know, a common, you know, ground with anything, you know, but uh I don't put a lot of weight on that because everybody's different, obviously, and Marab's style is totally different than Aljo's style. So, uh, you know, it's just good. to I think for Marab's head, he knows he goes with Aljo and Aljo did good against him. And also Keller has a common ground too. They've sparred a lot. So uh, it, MMA's never, ever, and it's never going to be linear logic. If A could be B, B could be C. But I think it puts uh, Marab's head in a good spot knowing that he's He's with guys that have been in there before and uh, have done pretty good.
0: Pearl, have you ever fought uh, someone that your teammate fought, and do, do you feel like the intel that they got uh, you know, benefited you in any way?
1: Um, you know, I ha- I've, I've been set up to fight uh, people that my, my teammates have fought, um, but I, I don't think I've had the opportunity to, and I do. I think that um, as a team, you know, we, we all work together on on whoever's fighting or whoever's got a big fight coming up, and and we, we study that person because we want to emulate them, we want to imitate them in the gym. And so as a good training partner, you do, you study your your teammates' opponents and, and that does, that helps because you have an idea. And then like Ray said, anything can happen in the fight, regardless of, of how it should be, anything can happen. However, um, it, it's good confidence knowing that you helped prepare a teammate and they did really well against an opponent. Um, or, or they that you learn. You learn from each and every fight. So it does it, it does help absolutely
0: we're going a bit out of order here might as well go bottom to the top uh, the number 15 ranked middleweight Sean Strickland takes on uh, Christoph jotko yeah I kind of feel bad for these guys uh, they're on this main card it's a solid fight night but off the heels of UFC 261 like this is a tough spot to be in back in the apex not in Jacksonville you got to believe that these guys are going to want to come out and in a big way try to impress and, and sort of you know feed off that energy of last week I know they're not connected from one another but this is a sport where it's what have you done for me lately and these guys are in a huge shadow you know just coming in and being on this card i mean listen
2: jacksonville was bananas man it was great being back with fans screaming and come on that whole main card was was really pretty good if and if, even if like chris's fight didn't go you know long that just the. Like again, the visual and the uh, just what happened, you know, oohs and ahs and all that stuff, you know, where to, you know, you had fans there. I think that made a big difference. And if that fight was in the apex where you could hear a needle, you know, a pin drop, uh, and then you had the three title fights that were all absolutely fantastic. Uh, these guys have a lot, they got big shoes to fill, but uh, hopefully that's you know, that'll probably be there, you know, that'll be uh. Dana's job to tell him that, you know, in those pre-fight, you know, the fighters meetings, you know, I guess that's what he uses to psych him up. But it's going to be hard to it's going to be hard to match that card. just in, you know, excitement from being back in the fan in front of the fans. That was the first time. And and just the quality of the fights and the quality of the fighters was was phenomenal, man. I thought the ladies absolutely crushed it.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I feel bad because I really want to talk about this upcoming Fight Night card, but there's still so much to digest, Ray, from UFC 261 and uh, the, the entire fanfare. Obviously, uh, I'm sure you—did you get out of there pretty quickly? Did you go with Chris to the hospital?
2: Uh, I did not go because they weren't really letting anybody in, so Wonderboy took the ride with him. I had a, I had to be at the airport at like 6 so, okay. uh, um, you know, nobody really could see him. You know, a couple of people went down there, but you were just hanging out. And then I heard the next day with the surgery, you couldn't even get near him. So I, I knew what the COVID thing was not going to be a <clears throat> a good thing. And I know he was out of it. So, uh, no, I did not go whether my way did you know, I talked to his wife and the manager and that was it.
0: Right. You're a quick uh, riser. You get out of town as quickly as you get there, huh?
2: you know what you know what it is, man. Because I you know I I came home just to get back on a plane to go to Vegas. So okay,
0: right. Yeah. Well, cool.
2: you know what I mean I had a lot, and I and there's there's ten more fights after that. So it's it's getting now it's getting back to being hectic. So I got to be very careful <laughs> with uh, you know getting my sleep and you know keeping my head into everything. So that's why I say you can't even. Mourn what happened to Chris. I got to come in and be upbeat for uh, Marab. You know, it's a it's a weird position. You know, it's almost right. like when you have three or four guys fighting and one guy loses and three guys win. You don't want to be too overly celebratorial and sure. leave the other person out. You know, I'm, I'm I you know like again, it's most of this shit is more than just fighting to me, man. I hope I I hope I'm developing people. You know what I mean. So I want to. So long i want to lead by example and not be a complete jackass so i try to you know take everybody's feelings into consideration
0: but uh now i want ray longo to be my dad like, listen <laughs> to that that's what you say when you have kids and you don't show favoritism ray
2: oh let me tell you you can't as a dad you can i got two girls oh so you have to get the same pearl that's a nightmare <laughs> and a half man. That has to be even, Steven, or you're, you're – I, I can't – I will never recover from that, the feeling of that shit. Dude. Oh, seriously.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean
2: – with the fight is easier.
0: Right. Let's let's get back to the fight. Let's just jump to the main event because yeah. we have a, a fantastic fight uh, coming up. It is uh, Dominic Reyes taking on uh, Yuri Hazka. When you go inside the mind – of Dominic Reyes, this guy has had a, a, a pretty difficult uh, couple of fights because he, you thought he was going to get his hand raised. I mean, many people thought he was going to get his hand raised against John Jones, and the judges went against him that night. Uh, then he found himself, uh, you know, in the title mix once again with Jan Blahovich, but uh, it was Blahovich that was able to get the win, and now Reyes, you know, still very much a, a factor uh, in this. Uh, 205 pound division, number three, rank taken on the number five Pearl Hoska. Pearl, what's the mindset got to be for Dominic Reyes here? Because while he just fought, you know, in back to back title fights, uh, it's not like he's fighting for his job per se, but he might be fighting for that status of being, you know, a top shelf contender. If he loses this one, he's going to go further and further back in those rankings.
1: I mean, as a fighter, you know, obviously losses hurt, right? We, we put so much into this. Your heart, your soul, your spirit, everything goes into a fight. And, and when you come up short, it hurts. However, you, you can't ever, like, ignore what skills that have, have been learned, the improvements that have been made in the fight in itself, um, all the experience. I mean, he just went in back-to-back with champions, with cha- you know, at the top, at the highest level. So, He's leaving and walking out of that cage. Granted, he his hand wasn't raised, but he's a much better fighter walking outside of that cage. So um, I think, as a fighter, yes, you you do have that you know uh, that feeling like, damn, I just you know I just failed at, at my two goals that were in, were set in front of me. But you know, the better fighters and and a lot of us, you have to have amnesia and you just have to move forward and take the the positives, take what you learned, take all that you 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 grew and you gained in the camps. And then the experience that was gained in the fights and, and use that and have some confidence that, you know, I, I just fought with two champions. Like, who's next? Whoever's next is really going to feel what I've, what I've learned, the frustration and, and the experience as well as the skills that have been learned.
0: When you look at uh, Reyes Ray, uh, you know I'm a little bit concerned about the idea that he's coming off of a a tough loss to uh, Blahovich, where you know he was stopped, and and sometimes you you worry about the ability uh, of a fighter to bite down. On that mouthpiece and and get hit again. And, you know, also to magnify that by the fact that he's coming off back to back losses, Reyes, and the only two losses of his career. So that adds more pressure. But, you know, how do you get a fighter to go in there, Ray, and, you know, just be confident with feeling the, the power of their opponent? Because Perhoska is not a guy that you want to get hit by, by any means. Yeah, I
2: tell you this is really this this is really, really interesting. And I, as much as I agree with Pearl, Pearl actually like a mental coach, as she spoke as what a mental coach would tell you. I think it's really, really hard. And the, the things that fascinate me is that if Reyes would have got that decision, I believe that he would have beat uh Jan Blahovich or whatever I can't I'm not if I'm Blahovich Blahovic. it's, Blahovic. it's hard, right? It's hard. You know what I'm saying? I believe he would have won that fight because the confidence he would have got sure. in beating the greatest would have been so valuable. You know, And again, Pearl's right. The amnesia and all, I don't. I think it's easier said than done, and that's the mm-hmm. problem. And we're going to find out this fight because, I mean, I've just seen it happen so many times before when they get that. It's not that he lost that fight, TJ. Right. He got ripped off. He won that guy. I agree. I agree with it, you. It's a lot more than... I, I, I don't know. It, this this one's weird. I heard that. This is a great conversation to have for like an hour. But I believe if he gets that decision, he doesn't lose that second fight just based on the mental aspect of it. And I believe the loss he suffered and what Pearl said is 100 percent true. Everything she said was dead on. It's just hard to do. And if he's not surrounded by the right people or he's not talking to the right people, he's never going to get there. That's the problem. So you don't know. They could have fueled a fire that let him the other way right you know and not not knowing it either like everybody you know they, they their intentions are well but this this is tricky so uh you know it's it's really their job to key in on the fact that he did win that jones fight and to kind of really definitely have amnesia about the, the the second fight after that and uh just move forward you know I- but
0: uh, a couple of things on that front, Ray. I will say this about Dominic Reyes and the John Jones fight. At worst, the worst card I think you can turn in against Reyes is 48-47 Reyes. I had it 49-46 for Dominic Reyes. And maybe I'm a, an outlier there, but I don't no, think so. No, I don't
2: think so. TJ, we look, we all went back and looked. I go, there's no way you could give John Jones that fight. We all looked at it. Even people that thought Jones possibly
0: won when we all watched it together, nobody yeah. was seeing that. I mean – uh, Can we somehow give Matt Hamill's victory over John Jones to Dominic Reyes? Does it work that way? I don't think it does.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes, uh, calm, it does work like that. But uh, it didn't in this case. But, yeah, no, it's just a crazy – I don't know how devastating that was. Everybody's going to handle it different. I, I, I look at it similar, TJ, as to when – Johnny Hendricks beat GSP. Right? right, yeah. I mean, there was a guy that was uh, was on a rise, and he was killing everybody, doing great. What happens? What? Ha- one fight, what happens? And well, so come-
0: he, he did go on to capture the championship after that loss to GSP, but it wasn't long after that where it seems like the wheels on the big rig just fell off.
2: Yeah, just, the, I don't know, there's something mentally that just, turns off maybe you get disgusted with the sport you start reevaluating. maybe I should have did this I should have been a gym teacher I said who the hell knows a gym but, teacher I don't you know, know. but you know what maybe. I'm saying like there's something very weird about it and I think this is a really interesting fight that's what I'm looking for to yeah. see how Reyes bounces back and see if he can get back on track again and you know you know, get a couple of wins under his belt and get the confidence and go for it again.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's something to be said about m- momentum. I think momentum is the yeah, most important thing in an individual key. fight, but it also, like you, Ray, it carries over into a career as well. That's the key, man. And you could definitely come up with
2: examples where, you know, I think they even said that with George, Michael Jordan, even in uh, college when he hit that, that game-winning shot. Like, if he doesn't hit that shot, they don't know, you know, but that stuff starts to carry over And, you know, I'm a firm believer in that, too. That mental side, we still don't know a lot about. We know we've seen guys like a Max Holloway, that fight against Qatar. uh, That's what being in the zone is, man, right? That's what you're looking at. How to get there, how to stay there. You know, there's a couple of, you know, we got all have, you know, breathing and all sorts of stuff. But uh, that's still a wide open field for me, which I think everybody should be concentrating on.
0: Breathing—that's something I need to do next time I'm—I'm I'm late and Pearl's barking at me. Well, you have to. to uh,
1: you were barking at me. No, Let's get th- this Ray.
0: Correct. Ray, can you help me out here? Who—who was barking? Ray, at I him? was making faces.
1: Let's be honest here. I was making faces, and he was. TJ, he was, I was
0: like, TJ, I love you, but you got a little abrupt with Pearl. I'm not sure. If uh, Pearl? <laughs> Pearl, I sincerely apologize. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Thank you. If
2: you would have, if you would have spoken to Pearl in this tone, I don't think she would have did this to you. <laughs>
0: I don't know what that means, but all right, sure. I guess she did that. All right. Pearl, I'm going to come to you now to talk about Yuri Prochaska because this man – has arrived with the UFC in just devastating, violent fashion, which is why uh, we're seeing him get this opportunity against a uh, you know two-time title challenger in Dominic Reyes. Uzdemir uh, got to go back to 2015 uh, for his last uh, loss, and you know when he came into the UFC, uh, he did so on a, a nice run of stoppages. And when he arrived in the octagon, he got another stoppage: big overhand right uh, ended the night of Vulcan Uzdemir. We'll see it here uh, in a moment. Uzdemir uh, was ranked in the top. 10 in the light heavyweight division and uh, Yuri Poroska just didn't care he said look I'm in the UFC I'm going to find my way into the top five and that's exactly what he's done what are your thoughts on you know this opportunity ahead of him because there is something to be said about momentum he's got a lot of that but at the same time he's testing himself uh, against a fighter of a different caliber when you look at Dominic Reyes and how dominant he has been over the years at 205 pounds
1: yeah, and I mean look at him here. I mean, look at the confidence that this man holds here. He's powerful and he's he's you know, he's egging on his opponent here. He's he's showing dominance, he's showing what level of striking and this his superiority right here. And um that's huge. That's huge. The momentum is key. And it's not even so much momentum as it is confidence. Confidence True. is so important in these fights we train. There's so many skills to be learned. Someone teaches you to step this way. The other coach teaches you to step that way. When it all boils down, when you're inside of that cage, when you're inside the octagon, when you're in a fight, it boils down to instinct. You're not sitting there wondering, the coach said to turn my foot here. I need to do this. It boils down to instinct. And here you can see he's, he's not thinking, he's fighting. He's just he's, he's going off of instinct. And confidence. Plays a huge part in that because you know, with when you're confident, when you're riding this momentum wave, and you know that what you're doing, you don't have to, to question yourself. You don't have to second guess what you're doing. What you're doing is 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 spot on, and um, that's key in this fight. Like Ray said, it's it's the it's very key to, to see how Dominic Reyes bounces back from the situation. But at the same time, it, it's it's also he's in front of a very confident man, so. Someone that just came off of two losses who is extremely technical, Dominic Reyes is a, a fantastic fighter. He has amazing skills. He, he's an amazing striker, just a very talented fighter. But he has had dealt, he's dealt with back-to-back adversity. And so can he walk in here with that confidence that he had when he walked into that cage with, with John Jones? Or is he going to question some of the, these things? I'll tell you right now, I can't say his name. I'm not even going to attempt you're, to.
0: Yuri Prohaska.
1: Prohaska 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 is not coming in here questioning he's not coming in here doubting and that man is powerful so uh yeah it's it's a it it is like Ray said this is a very interesting fight and this is a this is a very big fight for for Dominic Reyes it's it's interesting you know and I feel like the uh there's more challenges ahead for Dominic Reyes unfortunately than Prohaska Okay, right?
2: I agree 100%. You know, it's funny. What I really love, Two pros. I love the thing with the instinct because was, I was having this conversation today. Like, I listened to somebody one time break down one of Quintas fights. And, like, I trained the guy. I didn't know what the fuck the guy was talking about. Like, they are coming up with shit that... If your brain is working like that during the fight, I mean you're on another level because, like as <laughs> you say, you have to get those reps in the gym, and then instinctively you're going to do things. You're not thinking, you know. It's not it. You got to be able to process on a, on a split second. But, you know, they come up with different terms of shit, and I don't know if it's just to make it interesting or whatever. But, it's pretty basic what's going on in there. But mm-hmm. yeah, I like that a lot. You, instincts. You have to have good instincts in there, and that comes through proper training. And, you know, for me, definitely proper sparring where you've, nothing's new. You've already seen it all and you're just reacting, you know, you're not really, Mm -hmm. you you know, you always have to have some sort of internal dialogue going on if you make a mistake and you go, fuck, oh man, I got away with that, man. I put my head in the wrong spot. And hopefully, you know, you have the time to think, but for the most part it is, it's really instinctive. And, uh, you know, when you analyze a fight and slow everything down, you can come up with a million things. Look at the way he's stepping this way. And he's, you know, he's doing this and yeah, he might be right, but that's not what he's thinking. He's just, that's what he naturally does.
0: Oh, it can get dangerous too. You know, these guys that break down fights, it's almost worse than some of those major league baseball stat guys are like, well, you know, he's batting, you know, 750 uh, on rainy days when it's a Tuesday in an away ballpark. But, uh, you know, everyone's looking for, uh, you know, a little lead in in insight and what things are going to be. And, uh, you know, I, I like the idea, Ray, of, of, Pearl Gonzalez being a mental coach you know she might be able to market that uh some people in our twitch uh chat uh saying that Pearl would make a great gym teacher so uh Pearl a gym teacher yeah. I bet I would yeah um you're
1: asking shape wait let me can I add to that do you, what,
0: who are you talking to right now
1: who, who was that statement? That.
0: Okay, okay, good. All right. I thought it was directed I'll towards, I'll towards me or in-
1: Ray. No, I'm sensitive I'll look here. put them in shape. Okay, okay. Well, just it's okay. I'm not attacking you. I forgive you, <laughs> Jay. Okay. I don't
0: think you do. I'm going <laughs> to hear about it, Ray. I'm going to hear about it. Tell you.
1: <laughs> um, but I wanted to add to that and, and you know, yes, when when looking on the outside, you can you can say I would do this or, or they should do that and and they should do this and the best way that I can describe a fight to anybody that's never been into a fight and and even a, a fight that is just on the street in a random fight compared to a fight a, a professional fight the best way that i can describe it is is it's like a car accident and when someone slams on their brakes in front of you or when there's an accident that happens your heart goes straight to your ass and you're like that's what it feels like in a fight over and right. Over and yeah. over again, and so you have to be able to make decisions in that. And so, yes, technically, when even looking back, when you, at the fighter or, or an athlete, looks back at their performance, it's damn, I could have done this, I could have did that. It's heat of the moment. It's it's that moment that you just you're making these decisions, and it's a car accident And at the same time, so there is a lot going on, and I, I'm sure that a lot of people, when they they judge these fights or they say you could have should have done. They're right in some of these ways and yeah. in some things. But you're not in the car accident. Right. So when you're in a car accident, how do you react? And and that's just my my the best way that I could describe being in a fight.
2: Yeah, TJ two things. I don't want to be this guy, but Pearl, that's a lot of ass talking from you today. <laughs> <laughs> you're referring to your ass a lot today. I don't know what's going on. I what what is this? Is it me? Am I just <laughs> Am I that immature that I pick up on this shit? Is that what's going on? It, or- it, I mean,
0: <laughs> e- here's the thing, Ray. If you're picking up on it, I promise you, a good chunk of our audience is picking up on it as well. <laughs> he
1: was so TJ gave me a hard time about swearing, so I'm trying to be really good at not swear, and ass isn't that bad. No, no,
0: no, no, no. I'm not saying I'm, I never give you a hard time about swearing. It's when you have one drink. And then 45 <laughs> minutes into the show, you're dropping MFers like crazy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, see, I, I actually like that. But uh, but let me just give see? me one point. I had, a, I had an instructor one time, and it, his thing was, you know, when you get in that car, you almost get in that car crash and your heart's pounding, get out of the car and start shadow boxing. That's what you – because you want to be able to control that fight or flight and the whole thing, and that's when you need to be able to focus. Like, that's unrealistic to do, but the point is well taken because – that is what it's going to feel like, you know. Like a lot of times, I'll get a guy. Or I used to. I'm really doing that much anymore. But I would get a guy as tired as shit, and I go, "Okay, now get ready. This is round one, because that's what the emotions going to feel like, you know. Especially with the beginners. What when you go in there? You know, I've seen guys with. Unlimited gas tanks come back after the first round with blue lips, they're hyperventilating and, you know, it's not, there's so much that goes into it, Right. but, uh, you know, but that's another good thing here. When you get almost that feeling you get, that's when you have to kick into gear and go, do I see everything? Can I move around? Can I relax? You know, as quick as possible. So, uh, uh, Earlier you're on I, the money today. Pearl is knocking it out of the park.
0: Well, I've got the I answer to the, the question. Being
2: in New York, DJ. Being in New I, York. I know. She has changed I'm her. Like a Yorker.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to work on that accent, though, because that's still very much a Chicago <laughs> accent trying to be an East Coast <laughs> accent. Uh Dr. Bongo Man on Twitch is the person that uh, Pearl needs to whip into shape because he's the one that suggested that uh, she w- would be a good gym teacher. Um, Halo in Dreams on Twitch wants to know, Ray, if uh, you love not being a hippie anymore. Uh, you know, you got your haircut. You can get your haircut. You can continue this, uh, you know, much more GQ look. Uh, you know, d- I do you it. miss the locks, Ray?
2: I, no, I don't miss them. I'm, I'm happy I got my hair cut, but... Uh but it was, uh, it was pretty wild while it lasted. But uh, towards the end, I was like, what the hell am I even doing? I don't even know. It was just get, getting longer and longer. So no, no, I like, I like the fact that I got it cut, though.
0: my, uh, it my looks great. M- my, uh, my memories from the last year keep coming up on like Facebook. And like I just saw a photo of the bread aisle last year that I took where there's no bread. Uh, I'm pretty soon going to come up with those photos where Ray Longo kind of looks like Rambo with the hair everywhere. And like he's been in the jungle for a week. <laughs> I can't wait for those.
2: It was even longer. When I caught it, I videotaped it. I was in shock. I was like, what, that? I can't believe how long it got, but
0: uh, those days are gone. I wish I had those problems, Ray. I wish I had those problems, man. Let me tell you. (laughs) All right, co event. Uh, Killer Cub is back. Cub Swanson. He's been a staple. uh, You know, going back to the WEC. um, You know, in in the in the UFC now. uh, This is a guy that really refuses to go away. In a lot of ways, and it's weird to kind of see him uh, on the B side. Uh, of this fight. He's taken on uh, Giga Chikadze. Chikadze kind of, you know, th- that newcomer uh, uh, a fighter, especially when you consider, you know, Cub Swanson being a- an old-school guy. Uh, while while it is uh, Chikadze who finds himself as the ranked opponent at, at number 14 higher than Cub Swanson, y- you got to believe that he's fighting for something here trying to-, to beat an established name like Killer Cub, right? What are your thoughts on Chikadze, you know, finding himself in this co-main event against uh, a man who's been in the UFC and the WEC for over a decade.
2: Yeah, look, man, for Chikaze, it's a great opportunity. Like you say, he gets a name on his record uh, against a guy who I think is right considered more of a striker uh, than anything else. So uh, great fight for Chikaze. Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, I think he should be excited, and uh, he's on a roll. So momentum that we talked about is definitely in Giga's uh, favor. And uh, I can't say anything about it because he's Georgian like Marab, so I have to go see Marab in a little bit. So I'm going to leave it at that. But uh, I always like Cub Swanson, great fighter, but he's fighting a younger, tougher, uh, crazier guy. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully he does good, though.
0: Pearl, what do you think about Cub Swanson and what his mindset needs to be? Because while he is the, you know, lower on the uh, rankings uh, fighter, he is the one that is hunted. He's been in there. He's fought for, you know, a WEC championship. He's, he's been a staple of the UFC. Uh, you got to feel like he's always, no matter where he's at in the rankings, he's always going to be a guy that anybody in the division is going to want to try to beat and, and get their name over.
1: Absolutely. And I think that Cub in his last fight he looked amazing like he looked really good I mean his body looked great he looked like he was in great shape he came out he was full of intentions like he looked really good so um I think for him you know and and it's just evolving and and that's that's the key is how hungry are you and and you know, in times in there, life is real. Life is very w- real. And there's situations in life that that force you to pull away a little bit or force you not to be as focused, as as hungry, as dedicated and committed to growing and, and being the best you can possibly be every day. And so the last time I saw Club, I was really impressed with with how he looked out there. And so I think that if he can come out with that same mentality, you know, and, and prove, prove that he's still here, he's still evolving. You know, it almost reminds me a little bit of Andre Arlovsky, who, who has, who to me is also like, I'm so impressed with how well he's maintained with the sport. The sport is evolving faster than ever. I can't say that enough. It is evolving faster than ever, than it ever has before today. and. You know, someone like Arlovsky, who's just right there and he's keeping up. And that shows that his discipline, it shows his dedication to to staying relevant, to staying and and really wanting to to be the best he can possibly be. And I feel that Cub has a very similar mentality. And I think if he can come in with a lot to prove, maybe a little chip on his shoulder that he's not he's not past it, that he's here and he's still very willing and eager to grow and learn. That he, that he has a good chance at, at, at putting on a great performance.
5: Yeah,
0: we'll see what happens coming up on Saturday night. It's a, a very fun co event as the number 14-ranked Giga Chikadze takes on the number 15-ranked Killer Cub Swanson. Uh, looking at our uh, Twitch chat uh, a little bit, man, they might uh, be defending you, Pearl, because they're getting on me now. Uh, they're, yeah. they, they, they're saying, look, it's Ray Longo <laughs> in a knockoff Matt Sarah." Th- thanks, MRD <laughs> underscore 511. I I mean, yeah, I guess I'm Matt Sarah with glasses, (laughs) but at least I'd be like a welterweight champion, you know, if that was the case, but I I don't think I've weighed 170 since I was in eighth grade, unfortunately. That's funny. So, uh, yeah, they're killing me a little bit, but, uh, hey, we're on (laughs) podcast, by the way, uh, wherever you download podcasts, you can get, uh extra rounds and take it on the go. Uh, Ray and Pearl uh, always kind enough to, uh, join me and break down fights sometimes before and afterwards. And, uh, we still have a pretty stacked show coming up, uh, in a moment. We're going to talk to Mercedes Lewis, uh, NFL, uh, player for the green Bay Packers. I'm going to watch a couple fights with uh, boss rooting on the way out to, uh, commemorate, uh, pride fighting championship month on uh, UFC fight pass. And, uh, we, we got more headed your way as well, but before we get to the final final here uh, on the program, uh, I got to talk about this with you, Ray, because we were sizing it up a little bit on Saturday night immediately following the fight. It's hard to uh, ignore these conversations. I don't necessarily like them, but Kamar Usman is finding himself uh, you know, in comparisons with the great welterweight champions of all time. For most people, that greatest welterweight <laughs> champion is George St. Pierre. No one is saying I'm a knockoff George St. Pierre, but they are saying I'm a knockoff Matt Sarah. I know Matt Sarah is Ray Longo's favorite welterweight champion of all time, but where do you think Kamar Usman really ranks in you know the greatest uh, considerations at 170 pounds uh, in the UFC as far as champions are concerned, Ray?
2: I miss look. Uh, he's he's right where he wants to be, man. I mean, who you know he he's he's fought everybody in the division. The way he's beaten the last couple of guys is phenomenal. I don't know. He's uh, he he has every right to stake his claim to uh, I believe the best welterweight there is. I mean he's he's literally knocking people out and good quality people. So uh, he's he's phenomenal, man. And he's you know he seems like he's just starting out and he's just getting better, which is really really scary.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I look at Usman, and everything is there for him to cruise to that title of greatest of all time, yeah. without really having to do all that much more work. Yes, get a few more title defenses in. Hopefully, the, the division can continue to foster names because I think a lot of that too is going to be on the division itself, as far as you know, setting contenders uh, aside are yeah, uh, exactly. concerned. And, and and that's the thing too. I, I don't have to you know uh, coax this out of you too much, Ray. But I would love to see him fight Wonder Boy. I think that would be a phenomenal. I, Fight. I tell you that that I believe will be his toughest fight. I I really
2: think Wonderboy's got the style for any. Look what he did to Masvidal, who's yeah. really good he did that a yes, while that's, ago. That's you know what I mean? Fight. He really kind of shut down a really great fighter, and striker Uh, I, I I think they owe it to him, man. I really do. I think uh, let's see what happens with the Burns fight, but I'm a, I'm going to put my money on Wonderboy for that fight. Just just the the range alone that he can control with that fight. Uh, he's not the easiest guy to keep down when he doesn't want to be and, mm-hmm. you know, look, he is getting older, but man, he's got that down. Talk about instinct, Pearl, that guy could do that shit in his sleep, you know oh what I mean? Gosh. So, yeah, yeah, so he's, uh, I man, I, I just had a great time. I always love seeing that guy, I had a great time with him, I love exchanging ideas and it's always great to have him around in the camps, man, so I'm pulling for him, but yeah, he's a bad matchup, 100% a bad matchup, because. He look, he was beating Pettis too. Right. And Pettis That's came off that case, I don't wanna say, look, I never use the word fluke, but right. the odds of that happening again would be nil. And he he could go in there and and you know, he could win that fight. He could get a rematch and win that fight for sure. Uh so yeah, I would I would love to see that. I mean, he beats Burns. I think that they're gonna have to give it to him.
0: There's like this interesting sort of four-man tournament going on in the welterweight division right now. You have Gilbert Burns and, and uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and then Leon Edwards taking on Nate Diaz. Uh, you know, Edwards, Burns sort of a little bit, but he's already had his chance. And then, you know, Thompson are, are fantastic contenders. Nate Diaz is kind of that outlier, though, Pearl. Do you think if Nate Diaz is able to get past uh, Leon Edwards that so we're talking about a, a Nate Diaz welterweight championship showdown with Kamara Usman?
1: Absolutely. I think that that's absolutely uh, that that's in the talks. I I agree with Ray. I think that uh, you know uh, Wonder Boy is definitely there, and 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 definitely if he can get past Burns, deserves that opportunity. Um, but but Diaz is such a big star, and he's such a he's just it's such a treat to watch him. Yep. I was I was at his uh, at his fight in Anaheim, and the crowd, the energy when he walked out was insane. Um, and so you can't, you can't pull away from that. You can't ignore that. And if he can, if he can get past Leon, um, yeah, I think that absolutely he's, he's on his way. Um, but I do believe that as well, if Thompson can get past uh, Burns, that he's 100% right there. And he has incredible – he has great movement, and he did so well against Woodley, who's a great wrestler, um, that I do. I, I believe as, as well, Thompson's going to give um, Usman – a challenge, uh, a hard time.
0: That's actually really why I want to see that fight because, you know, you had Thompson go two fights with Woodley. First one was a draw. The mm-hmm. second one, you know, was, was one that Woodley got his hand raised. I got to believe that, you know, I know Kamar Usman's a different fighter than uh, Tyron Woodley, but there's got to be some feel of what that fight felt like against Woodley for Thompson that he can utilize against Kamara Usman. And who knows what happens over the course of, of 25 minutes. But stylistically, it's a phenomenal matchup that, uh, you know, take my money. Any day of the week. I want to
3: see
2: it. And then, like what Pearl says, Diaz, he's got such star power. It's hard not to make that fight for that reason because, you know, everything is bottom line oriented. And uh, who's better for the bottom line than Nate or Nick Diaz? True. They bring asses. I don't want to overuse that word. They they put asses in the seats. And even if Pearl can't wipe her ass when she's sick, she could still sit down down in one of those seats and watch the fight.
0: Oh, she's going to demand a seat for that one, too. I promise you. I promise. Uh, Uh, Last thing. Last thing. We can always uh, take uh, text messages or phone calls. Uh, 917 uh, UFC Talk is the number. Um, I got a text message here. I don't know where the 919 area code is. I don't think it's Long Island, but uh, the question is for Mr. Longo. It says, hey, Mr. Longo. Why is Matt Sarah the best? Does Matt have a 919 number? No. (laughs) No? Okay. All right. Might be a burner phone. (laughs) But but apparently someone wants you to tell the world why Matt Sarah is the best. I mean, look, if you can't see that when
2: he's doing his podcast, I'll tell you why he's the best. He's always on. That's the one thing. You never see that guy down. He's just always on.
0: No. Even if he's taking people down in like a cheesecake factory. Yeah, yeah. He's always on. That guy, he's, uh, that's
2: all I could say. And he's a great guy, great family guy, funny as shit, uh, always fun to be around. So that's that's the reason. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, <laughs> I think we made it through. Ray, yeah. thanks for talking me off a ledge. Pearl, you might have uh, you know jabbed me a Pushed little bit along you. the way. I but was it's always trying fun. to
1: push you, push you yeah. off the ledge.
0: I, I, I mean, that's true, but that's why we make such a great team. You are <laughs> trying to drive me crazy, and Ray gets a kick out of it. <laughs> oh I love it. It leads yeah. me to an early grave, either way. But you know, I absolutely sorry. love it. All right, Ray. Best of luck coming up uh, this Saturday yeah, night with with luck, Marab Ray. and uh, you know. Hopefully, it's uh, I mean for your sake. Hopefully, it's a boring, mundane sort of weekend where you just go to work, get it done, and uh, get get on the next flight home.
2: That wouldn't be that bad.
0: No. All right, that guys.
2: That we'll, All right, Pearl. We'll keep the soon. training going too, man. Good luck in your fight.
1: Thank you.
0: Take it Bye easy, guys. guys. There you go. My two favorite people here on. Extra rounds. Don't tell Dean Thomas that though, please, because that would be not good. I need Dean too. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk to Mercedes Lewis. Um, he had some inspiring words for a man that he's close with, uh, who is Chris Weidman. Uh, we'll also talk to Boss Rutten, and uh, some more things headed your way. It is extra
5: rounds on UFC Fight Pass. Stay close. It's been a long journey for the true believers. Champion MMA before it was fashionable. Through the ups and downs, many have come and gone, while two iconic brands stayed in the fight.
4: I'm turning the page and breaking away.
5: The UFC and Venom are pioneers of combat sports, bold innovators, and history makers who shaped the future by delivering what fans want fighters need. Today, with mixed martial arts surging in global popularity, the UFC and Venom have joined forces, and the next evolution in combat sports is just getting started. I'm just getting started. You can knock me down.
0: Never knock me out. Came back, feeling brand new. Tell me how you like me now.
5: When you find the perfect fit, it just feels right.
2: How about you thought it was done? Really, we only begun. Yeah!
5: UFC Fight Kits by Venom. Inspired by the journey, evolved for the future.
0: So, if you don't have UFC Fight Pass, you are missing out on some of the best action, not only from the UFC, but mixed martial arts promotions all over the world and the CFFC has a pretty fun little prospect uh, who's 6 and 0 and he joins me now it is Paul Capaldo uh Paul looking at uh your your last performance I mean I don't I don't know if we're you know going to say that you're uh you know UFC bound or like uh you know maybe cast in the next Tekken like you got this wheel kick that <laughs> is is out of nowhere man like uh first off how are you you got to be feeling like a, a million bucks coming off this huge win
3: yeah, so what's up, man? I'm good. I, I definitely do. Um, it felt great, you know, because I've been practicing that technique for so long. So to finally hit it in a live scenario, like end a fight where everyone's watching is unbelievable. <laughs>
0: i mean it's uh on the short list for knockout of the year i mean i hate to say uh you know this is a sport where we tend to forget things but that's the only thing i think you have going against you you turn this uh you know we'll kick in on april 2nd and we still got you know uh eight months left in the year to go but i, I don't think anyone's gonna be forgetting this one anytime soon
3: yeah no me either i haven't seen like it's crazy cuz like when you land stuff in the fight compared to like watching it from the outside it's so different but um I don't think I don't think anyone's going to land a, another knockout better than mine at least at least this year I did it early but it was a good way to start off 2021
0: Talk about it a little bit. Uh, John Morgan and CM Punk were, you know, on the call that night, and they said that you were sort of setting up uh, a trap. And finally, you know, the opportunity presented itself. You threw that kick, and, and you landed it. Was it that scientific? Did you feel like the spinning back kick that you were working uh, throughout the fight is is what led to this?
3: Yeah, definitely. I um just my all my attacks in general. I was you know really working his body and hurting him to his body. And when I was hitting him, I could see in his face that they were hurting him. Uh, he was doing a lot of forward pressure, so it was making me easy just to land, pick it, pick and uh, land those body shots. And then eventually, in the later round, uh, the third round, I went up top to the head.
0: Paul, I, gotta, um, done, I, yeah. I was going to say, I got to know, you, you mentioned the first time hitting this in a live scenario. Obviously, you can't throw this in the gym uh, with the force mm-hmm. that you're, you're doing. But how do you drill something like that? Because that is a, a technique that you have to build sort of muscle memory and, and really refine your yeah. technique.
3: Yeah, so it's funny you ask that. Um, my buddy Turple Kamzaya, he actually fights for CFFC too. Um, we both have really good kicks and like Taekwondo style kicks. So what we do is when we spar, we throw them. Uh, we throw them at each other, but we could throw them to the point where we land, and we we're not really throwing it that hard or taking any damage. Like this kid Turple, is so good, he could throw it and literally stop his foot right before it's about to uh, hit me, and I'm the same way. So. He, he actually was a big reason as to why I landed that because his style, if you watch his fights, he throws a lot of kicks. Crazy. He's really, really talented. And I kind of picked up on a, a lot of the stuff that he did. And he taught me some stuff. We bounced some ideas off. So...
0: Well, I mean, he—he's a brave man to stand in front of you and, and do that uh, with you because uh, th- those sound like famous last words. Like, no, I can throw. Don't worry, I can I can control how hard I land. And then you're like waking your buddy up. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry. I know. I know. <laughs> um, you know, you talk about the Taekwondo style. Style the the traditional martial art, Um, you know, the the striking martial arts uh, tend to have to get modified to a certain point uh, to implement them into in mixed martial arts. So, do, do you Ooh. feel? Do you feel like you have? have to you know completely uh you know reinvent the wheel when it comes to this stuff no pun intended with the wheel kick but uh do do you have to refine things
3: yeah so there's definitely some stuff that you have to adjust um but i I, what i try to do is take techniques from each different martial art that i've learned and uh just apply it to mma maybe make little adjustments whether it's like throwing the kick at a certain angle or something like that you know nothing too major but um, you definitely have to do that with everything because there's, there's certain things that won't, people will say won't work in MMA, but if you make a little adjustment, it does work.
0: Right. So. Well, uh, I, I know that uh, landing a kick like that is going to work when you want the attention of the world, and yeah. I think, Paul, you you yeah. have the attention. Uh, you know what is next? Six and zero oh, as a pro. Uh, you coming off this this highlight reel uh, knockout? I know you're trying to get you know to the biggest show in the world, but I gotta believe that you're going to be hunted to a certain extent uh, after this big win. People <laughs> are going to try to make a name off of yourself.
3: Oh man, I'm getting. It's funny you say that. I get I get messages on Instagram all the time of people. Talking crap to me, calling me out to fight, especially after this fight, um, I've gotten them before, but this fight it's crazy. I laugh at all that stuff, but I uh, I accept all challenges. You know, I I do want to be in the big show just because I train with uh, uh, like it, a crazy like I train with Frankie Edgar, mm-hmm. Lance Palmer, some more some more value of uh, a beat, Magomed Sharipov. I train with these guys all the time, and I do really well against them. So I know that you know if I get to the big show, I'll be able to do well and a lot better than people think, you know, because people are like, oh, you're still early in your career, this, that, and the other thing, but um, I don't know. It's just, I, I just need that opportunity like I had in the last fight. Uh, that was my first fight in, like, six months. Right. All I need is the opportunity, and I could show everyone what I'm made of.
0: You, you got to love those Instagram tough guys, right?
3: Oh, man, they're, they're, they're the, the worst. <laughs> they're the worst, but I just ignore that. Any comments or stuff like that, I think Joe Rogan's advice. He says not to look at any of the comments or anything like that, and that is definitely something that I don't do.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, probably why. So you get up on the cage, you, you say you're ready. Uh, what is the next yeah. step? I mean, has the phone call been made? Do you expect a phone call to be made? What's your mindset moving forward?
3: So I know they want to give me a title fight in CFFC at 145. Uh, I'll accept that, but I'm really hoping that I could get on either the Contender Series or the, uh, just, you know, try to get a fight in the UFC. Um, like I said this I mean like you said the knockout went viral and it had like millions and millions of views on like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok I don't even have a TikTok, Snapchat Um, <laughs> yeah I don't even have a TikTok, someone sent it to me it had 1.5 million views and I didn't even know the kid that sent it to me Unbelievable. Um, yeah so I hope that it just you know the right eye saw it and that they're keeping an eye on me and um, even with like you helping me out giving me this opportunity to do this interview I hope you know the right people see it, and uh, they give me the chance that I need.
0: Is the goal 145 moving forward? I know uh, you know 35 has been on the table in the past. Uh, what are your thoughts moving forward as uh, you know a weight division? Yeah, so I'll probably fight that
3: back down at 35 again too. Um, but I, I right now I'm in the position where I could fight at both. You know, I thought it's funny in my whole career. Uh, this last fight was actually a catchweight at 150. Mm. So in all of my MMA fights, I fought 35, 140. 145 and 150 so um, I, I could fight at any weight right now I'm, I'm going to stick to 145 but if I do get that call then you know I've fought down at 35 and I've had success so I could, I could fight at either weight
0: Do you think the power changes at all whether you're at 35, 45 or even like you said a catch weight? I would, I would say the guys are definitely
3: uh, like you see the size difference definitely from a 35er to a 45er um, and like when I fight at 45 I have, I have to be more defensively minded just Mm. thinking defense and you know i'm i fight for myself i'm not trying to impress nobody so when you're fighting bigger guys you got to make sure the defense is you know the top priority but definitely 35 the guys are the the power is you know there's less power the guys have less power at 35
0: yeah what about your uh, abilities at those weight classes do you feel you're primarily the same sort of fighter with the same skills are you faster at 35 compared to 45 or or vice versa
3: I feel like I'm the same. I feel like I perform good at, at both weight classes. And uh, I keep my power at 35. Uh, if anything, I'm more of a problem for guys at 35. Um, but I keep I keep my power at 35. And same thing with 45. Like, I keep my power. I keep my speed. And um, it's just more, like, fighting is it's a lot physical, but it's a lot of it's mental. You know, you could keep – it's about keeping your mental. So, you know, cutting a lot of – cutting down to 35. Is more of a cut than 45, but as long as I I stay good mentally, then I I could beat anyone.
0: Well, uh, we love watching you, uh, you know, pen this resume as you try to punch your ticket to the big show, whether it's a CFFC title fight next or contender Uh, call-up. I'll tell you, Paul, we're all watching here on UFC Fight Pass. Can't wait to see what is next for you, young man. Thank
3: you, man. I appreciate it. And like I said, I appreciate you, you know, giving me the opportunity for the interview. It means a lot,
0: man. My pleasure. Uh, You know, keep doing what you do, and we'll be watching. Thanks, Paul. Yes, sir. UFC. Well, I know that fighting is a combat sport, but I've always said that mixed martial arts is the great unifier, and because of that, I'm going to actually show some examples of that right now. Because I'm a lifelong Minnesotan, so of course I grew up uh, watching the Minnesota Vikings. Pearl Gonzalez, she is here. She's from Chicago, so of course. She's got to be a Bears fan. And Mercedes Lewis is here, and he's a Packer. So, like, you got the Vikings and the Packers and the Bears. Oh, my. Mercedes, welcome to Extra Rounds. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, man. Uh, You've been a a, a proponent of mixed martial arts for quite a few years. We've seen this, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, support. You know, showed out a lot from NFL players uh, towards mixed martial martial arts, the sport, and the the fighters. And uh, you've been one of those guys that have been beating the drum. I think it was like five, six years ago, there was an article up on UFC.com about you uh, training with Chuck Liddell.
4: Yeah, so Chuck, in 2011, Chuck was really the one uh, that kind of introduced me to it. Uh, When I was younger, growing up, I boxed a little bit in the police athletic league. Uh, And then, you know, I just always had a passion for it. And um, it was actually my first Pro Bowl. I was in Hawaii, and Chuck Liddell uh, walked up to me and kind of started playing around. I was like, hey, man, I want you to come train with me one day. And then, shit, I never looked back. From 2011 on, i uh, just been training on my own time every off season, uh working with Chuck Liddell, Cormier, uh, a lot of other guys, you know, before they were champions. So it's been a blessing to be able to do that.
0: It's unbelievable. We were talking about wow. getting some NFL players on, and uh, this was probably a couple months ago. And Pearl's like, "We got to get Mercedes Lewis on the phone. We're going to get him on." Uh, apparently, Pearl, you are you familiar with with Mercedes?
1: Yeah. No, he told me that he's been training. I mean, he's got a resume as far as training goes as, as some more than some professional fighters do.
0: It's extremely
1: impressive. He's he's expressed to me how he's a big fight fan. So you you have to have him on. You yeah. know what I mean?
0: Mercedes, tell me how, you know, training in mixed martial arts and, and the sort of fight training carries over to, you know, the traditional uh, sing and ball sports, like, for example, football. Why do you implement this sort of training into your uh, regimen?
4: Well, I mean, I, for the obvious reasons, uh, I mean, I, I took two Muay Thai and uh, BJJ for the most part. I like those two uh, the best. Um, the Muay Thai for my punch, my striking. Um, just my explosiveness through my hips. And obviously the BJJ is, is, you know, body positioning and knowing my weight and being able to uh, distribute my weight to where I want to on the field. So it's definitely helped my center of gravity. But I think where it's helped me most, I would say, is my mental. Um, You know, I've always had a huge, um, huge respect for fighters and, and anybody that's doing combat sports. I mean, you think about it, when that cage closes, it's either you or the other man, right? right? And your mindset has to be, it's not gonna be me. So he' about to get this work. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, I've been able to take that mentality uh, through uh, my mixed martial arts training and kind of implementing football. And I mean, it's just changed my uh, my life, my career, and here I am walking into year sixteen now. That, that's Amazing. unbelievable to hear that. <laughs> um, you know, I'm curious,
0: uh, h- how much are you obviously watching the fights? I, I know you're a fan. You mentioned, you know, training with some of the the sports uh, elite in, in Cormier and and Chuck Liddell. But, I mean, are you watching every single uh, Saturday night when the UFC's on?
4: No question about it. I mean, I feel like, you know, that makes Saturdays for me. You know right. what I mean? No matter where I'm at, if I'm on vacation, you know, I got the fight pass. I got the ESPN+. Plus, um Mike who does Embedded, you know, we keep in close contact, you know what I mean? So, you know, I'm always I'm always locked in.
0: That's awesome. I mean
4: it works out. That's you know you so a game on
0: on Sunday, you might as well <laughs> just hang out and stay in the room on Saturday,
4: you know? Might as well.
1: So I have a question for you, Mercedes. Would is there is there any of your training tools or, or you know, some of your training uh training exercises that would actually help us as MMA athletes? From
4: football, I would say, so my trainer, Jamal Ligon, uh, and I'm still at the gym now. He just opened his gym. I've been with Jamal for 11 years when he was sleeping in the gym. So, you know, to oh. see him open up his gym in Hollywood and, you know, have it flourish in the way it is, it's been a blessing and been amazing for me to watch him. But I would say if there was any drill, it's tough to just pick one, but it's this drill that I do with tennis balls. And mm. say I'm looking at the wall and he's behind me and it's a reaction drill. So he's throwing the ball off the wall, right? Mm. And then mm-hmm. we'll go from that to where I go to like a like a lateral lunge position. He's in front of me and he's just throwing the ball on the side and I can't move my legs, right? So I'm keeping my position, wow. but I'm just working my lunge. Working my lunge, right. my flexibility, my length. So um, I think he actually worked with a couple of MMA guys uh, down at the facility in Vegas too. During during uh, a similar drill, so I think that's one of my favorites. And
1: that's that's incredible as far as, as training for us goes. Because sometimes, I mean, the wear and tear, the amount of training that we have to put in, the amount of different skills we need, it it, it gets mundane. It gets overwhelming at times. So something small like a tennis ball, it sounds crazy, but that should lighten up your whole day. It it, it will 100%. highlight it and. and and make your whole training session a whole new thing. So that's awesome. I'm going to try that out. Thank you.
4: Yeah, for sure. You got it.
0: Mercedes, are you able to, you know, train uh, mixed martial arts during the football season, or is this like an off-season only activity for yourself?
4: I mean, for me to train like I want to train, I'd have to be at the facility with the heavy bag, being able to hit with John Lewis. Um, The most I could do during the season is I'll have, like, John has shown me different things as far as my shadow boxing goes. Uh, and so my mind is always in it. And to be honest, I felt like I've I took more steps mentally as opposed to physically from watching fights and putting myself uh, in those positions and being able to like at the point to where I am now is like a mental side of it. And, and you know, watching how the fighters set traps in the, in the octagon, you know, and kind of letting that guy walk into the strikes that you want to connect on. So it, it's far past, for me, it's far past the cardio. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm, yeah. now I'm starting to visualize, you know, okay, this is what it means when you shadow box and, you know, you cut the, you cutting the ring off and stuff like that. So, um, you know, obviously still learning, but I'm having fun doing it. Hey, Mercedes,
0: I'm, I'm curious when we look at uh, football and, and MMA, there's obviously the, the comparisons there as far as the, the physical game, but the mental game uh, I'm curious about because, you know, in mixed martial arts and in football alike, I think you need to be Unflappable, But when when you are on the field and things get intense, is there anything from the mental side of your mixed martial arts training or, or fight-centered uh, training that you can use to uh, benefit yourself when it comes to uh, maybe some of the more uh, dirtier, grittier moments uh, of a football game?
4: Uh, I think just to sum all of that up, um, you know, obviously I'm going into my 16th year. I think my first three years going into football games every Sunday – It was um, like you always have a healthy fear, right? You have a healthy fear when you're doing something physical and you notice you could get hurt. Right. Um, And I think what mixed martial arts has helped me do is transmute that energy into a different way, meaning my fear is not of what the other, what the opponent can do to me. It's actually the opposite now. And when I line up against a guy, it's more so, you know, you know, are you prepared for what I, for what I'm about to do to you? Cuz I put it in the work.
0: Um. that's awesome and you know that's one thing I was noticing looking at your stats Uh, you you don't miss a lot of games in the the last few years in particular you've played in pretty much every uh, single game Uh, longevity is a hard thing to maintain in in sports at you know the highest level whether it be football uh, or mixed martial arts Um, You know we've seen some some gruesome injuries uh, in the NFL over the years Alex Smith you know he was able to come back after I think 600 days away uh, from playing uh, you know multiple surgeries Uh, a lot of people are talking about Joe Theismann after this most recent uh, Chris Weidman fight uh, last Saturday night. W- what do you think about the the you know durability factors between football and, and combat sports? Do you think that they're the same as as far as damage on the body is concerned?
4: I mean, I think so. You got to think about you know first. I mean, I'll just speak on just you know mixed martial arts athletes and you know what they have to endure, not just on that Saturday night, but just, you know, that whole 10 weeks going to camp, right? You, you, you're you training and you're fighting every single day. Who's to say you're not going to fracture a collarbone or break a orbital bone or tear ACL in those fights? You right. know, like it's, you're literally preparing yourself for war and you're building those calluses up for a fight. So, you know, mentally you have to be in a different space Every single day, kind of when you get out of bed, you know, set that intent on what you want to do and get better at and, and knock on wood and hope that you're able to complete that at the end of the day. And I think that directly correlates to uh, the NFL. I mean, uh, the injury rate is 100 percent and uh, we understand that and we know we sign up for that. And so every day is about training as hard as you can so that, you know, everything in your, in your hands, you take care of. Everything that you you don't control is water off a duck's back, and you'll live with the results because you gave it all you got.
0: Right. What do you think about Weidman's leg break? I mean, he, he's a year or two younger than you. Uh, I mean, we're all relatively the same age. I, you know, get out of bed in the morning, and it's a chore to to, to feel young and, and uh, able to go. But Chris Weidman's got a long road ahead of him. What w- what would you say to Chris if uh, he were watching and, and might need some inspiration and motivation to get through this?
4: Well, first and foremost, I met Chris. I want to say like four years ago. Uh, it was during New York Fashion Week, and we were both we both walked in uh, a fashion show, and uh, we were talking about MMA, obviously, and we became really close then. So, um, you know, it, it broke my heart to see that. Uh, I know how hard uh, he trains and how hard he works, uh, and I kn- I know that like this is an opportunity to you know continue, continue on, and uh, building his uh, his legacy. So, uh, Chris, if you're watching, man, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your family. Uh, stay strong. Uh, I know you're there mentally uh, and mentally and your heart are both aligned. So, um, you know, we're praying for you back here, bro. I,
0: I question for both of you. Both of you guys are athletes. Uh, Pearl, we'll start with you. What's the worst injury you've ever had?
1: Uh, probably a herniated disc. <clears throat> I've had a herniated disc in my neck, so I was in a neck brace for a couple months. Um, Yeah, I think that's probably the
5: worst.
0: Wow. And Mercedes, what, what have you had to play through in your career? Maybe some internet issues.
1: Is he fooling us? Maybe. Who did that the other day?
0: That's the the worst thing. Like, sometimes you get that technical buffer thing, and I don't know if anyone is just messing with us or if it's actually an issue. I don't know. All right. Pearl, don't. I thought I was all by myself for a minute, Pearl. Stop it. All right. Well, we may have lost Mercedes, so. uh, Why is my head weird? Because everything gets screwed up when someone disconnects. I feel disconnected. All right. But I'm wait, here. wait.
1: What does unflappable mean? Okay. Wait, I wanted to say that. It means, it means that you're not
0: flapped. It means that you're not it means that you're not rocked or uh, deterred or uh, Is that you know, a
1: midwest word? No, that, Minnesota that, word? that's an
0: English word. It's in the dictionary. <laughs> so, uh, on that note, we need to take a break cuz I don't know what's happening right now. So, stick around it's extra rounds on UFC Fight Pass. And we're back here on Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. TJ DeSantis, Pearl Gonzalez, and we got him back. Mercedes Lewis, uh, teleporting to a completely different area uh, altogether. We were talking injuries a little bit, Mercedes. What have you had to play through in your career?
4: Uh, knock on wood, I've never had to have surgery. Um, Two-strain calves and one-strain hamstring. And that was uh, maybe five and six years ago. So I've been pretty uh, blessed, had a lot of luck on my side, but I work my butt off, uh, and it's paid off for me.
1: That is impressive. That uh, w- do you know what relate what you can relate or or what's the word, TJ? Like, is uh, there yeah, a-
0: what 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 causes uh, you
1: Not to causes, be so durable? Not but like what would you attach? Like say that that. Uh, w- uh, what reason?
4: would I? Yeah, what, what would I attribute? There you go. Yeah, uh, tribute. There you go. See, Sammy. Mercedes is it all.
0: <laughs> I work with speaking for a living, and I couldn't find the <laughs> word. So, Mercedes, thank you.
4: Um, I would just say making sure that you have a routine. Uh, and obviously, mm. that's going to be different for everybody else. And when I say routine, I mean, you know, physically what you're doing, you know, you know in the weight room, on the track, in the pool, whatever you're doing, but then, you know, off the field too. Uh, making sure you get enough sleep when you need your sleep. Um, eating right. I mean, I, I feel like in the off season, for that first month and a half, I'll kind of just freelance, not really on a schedule, kind of just not necessarily eating bad, but just not fish all week. You know what I mean? So for the most part, you know, it's been fish and vegetables for me one week or one day a week I'll have red meat. And then one day a week I'll have chicken, but it's more so just a pescatarian diet, uh, making sure I get my sleep and, uh, you know, mentally doing the work, Um, you know, at this point in my career, I mean, I just built my mental fortitude to be able to handle anything. And so, you know, Mentally, I've already done the work. I've already achieved victory before I step on the field. So whatever happens, happens after that, you know? And um, Mm -hmm. the universe has looked out for me. That's a, that's a, a wow. great
0: mindset to have. And, and, you know, all things are, are possible when you uh, approach life that way in and, and sports at the highest level. Mercedes, you're doing a uh, hell of a job being in the NFL as long as you have been. One thing I got to know, though, and I think, uh, you know, someone as durable as you and someone who loves mixed martial arts as much as you, are we ever going to go the route of, of Herschel Walker, who I think made his uh, pro MMA
4: <laughs> debut, like somewhere in his 40s? I think had I been a guy that played in the NFL for two years, then yeah. Right. Um but my day job has been very good to me and um you know I'm not trying to mess my money maker up. <laughs> uh I mean I, I thought about potentially grappling sure. um professionally grapple BJJ but I'm not I'm not getting my face beat up. I'm good.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I mean you're doing fashion
0: shows with it's, Chris yeah. Wideman so why why mess that up, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah. Mercedes, appreciate the time, sir. We'll let you get back Wait, to your. Wait, uh, okay. I have a question. All right, Pearl. Fine,
4: the show's yours, Pearl.
1: Go. Thank you, um, Mercedes. Have you ever trained, sparred, rolled with a girl, with women?
4: No, I haven't.
1: Oh man, come on.
4: Yeah, you got to You got to come to L.A.
1: Yo, I'm down.
4: We, yeah, as soon as it's... you, as soon as you're done uh, training out there, when you get a second in between, I mean, i I'm, I'm, I'm down to do that. That'll be dope.
1: It, it like literally it's different women we're different we we're smaller so obviously and, and you said it spot on when we first talked you said understanding body control and that's what jujitsu helps you with so you obviously have to control your body but we're we're a lot more technical i feel like because we're most of the our training partners are men and so we're never gonna out out, out strength yeah. or you know out-muscle a man, so we have to use technique, and, and it's just, a, it's a little different with, with women, you know, and we're a little spicy, so I would love to train with you. That would be amazing.
4: Yeah, no, I would love that, too, and I think, you know, obviously, knowing that, exactly what you just said, um, you know, every time I'm watching fights, and I see guys try to muscle out of positions when they're trying to, like, pass guard, or and I'm like, bro, you're going to be beat by the time mm-hmm. you actually do get out, because you're not breathing, you're not so I know exactly what you're talking about. And, um, you know, being able to train with some of the guys that I've been able to, I know how to work out. You know what I mean? Like I know how right. to um, to train in that way. So I'll be down for sure.
1: Hey, but, extra rounds. We got to cover that. That it. would be a badass.
0: Pearl, sure. I, pr- I promise you, Pearl, you'd never be able to out muscle me because I would never uh, <laughs> put myself in that situation where you would have to beat me up. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. Mercedes, appreciate the time. Uh, best of luck with uh, the rest of the offseason. And, uh, you know, take it easy on my Vikings come uh, this fall.
4: I don't know if I could do that, but <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the them. good luck. Thank you guys smash for having them. me. them. Thank you, Thank sir. Thank
5: you. I get a call from my mom, and she's screaming. And she's crying on the phone. I just remember my heart sinking in my chest. Like, I thought this was over.
6: My father has been incarcerated since 2009, and this is the first time really I've ever talked about it. It grew the chip that was on my shoulder. I remember the last time I visited my father, he told me that the UFC stuff was always on the TV there. It was kind of a little extra push for me because my father was going to
5: be able to see it. He may come to me, they would come tell him and say, hey, your son is going to be a champ on day the joy that he felt. I could feel it all the way through
6: the phone. And it's a moment that I would never forget for the rest of my life.
0: Well, we are in the final days of Pride Never Die Month here on UFC Fight Pass, and I don't think it would be fitting to end the month without talking to one of the staples of Pride Fighting Championships. And you might be thinking that I'm talking about like Akira Shoji or somebody that took the Pride ring time and time again. No, that that's not the case. I'm talking to uh, a man that provided some of the more uh, fun and exciting audio elements uh, also on screen as well because, I mean, He's a WAPO after all. It is Boss Rutten, the former UFC heavyweight champ, king of Pancrase, And of course, Pride FC commentator kind enough to give us a few moments here on extra rounds. Boss, it's incredible to think that it's been 10 years since Pride is, is gone by the wayside. More than that, uh, 14 years, I think, since the last Pride show.
6: It's insane. Yeah. I know. So like 2007 or something around that, 2008, maybe.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because,
6: boy, did we have some good times over there with all the fighters. It was uh, one of the things I was looking forward the most. Breakfast. I always think about breakfast at the Tokyo Hilton. Right. If you ever go to Shinjuku, go to the Tokyo Hilton. It's the best breakfast every fighter will tell you. And everybody's sitting among each other and having fun and cracking jokes. It's uh, Because everybody's up early, you know, because of the jet lag. So, 5 o'clock, everybody's waiting. And I'm thinking 40 fighters. Everybody's telling jokes. It's a, uh, it's It was a lot of fun.
0: Well, what's interesting to me is I, uh, you know, I never got to experience a pride uh, live in person, and uh, even even the people that I think experienced pride when it came to the states, it still wasn't that same authentic uh, experience. It was something different over there uh, in Japan, and not just because of the athletes uh, involved, but I think the the place that mixed martial arts occupied in the popular culture in Japan. I mean while mixed martial arts is huge here in the united states boss i don't think it ever was sort of heralded and respected in the way that it was in japan during that uh you know the the famous i think they call it the koktogi boom
6: it's it really is you know those people they they really understand the way of the samurai right that they understand also that you are the professor so you probably know it better than them so that's why everybody's quiet when you fight there it's it, it, it's very eerie you know when you knock somebody out or somebody gets an eight count or they go nuts and then everything calms down again it is so be- uh, so weird because i went to an aerosmith concert there because we were sharing the same hotel and they we we asked if they wanted to come to a pride event but they couldn't but they said you can come to a show if you want anyway so we went to aerosmith and it was the wildest thing i've ever seen there were six rows of people standing in front of the uh, the podium mm. and the rest everybody was sitting in folding chairs I mean, sitting. It's, it's the weirdest thing in the middle of a rock concert, they're sitting and loving an elevator and they're clapping like this. So that's what I like about those people, though. They understand, you know, they don't have to scream they, to really enjoy it. You know, they have to be present and being present, sitting there, focusing is just much better. It's like going, driving around and making pictures everywhere. And You come home, you still didn't see the country. You know, you go look back on your pictures, but a picture never does justice. That's what they break that rule. And I uh, I love it. Although I have to say, when you see a in America, they make a lot of pictures. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, 100%. Um, you know, what was it like for yourself? Like uh, you were over there, you know, as the, the, the commentary uh, team for the, the English broadcast. You know, you had several partners. Uh, you know, the classic is obviously you and the fight professor, uh, Stephen Quadras. I feel like early on in, in the process, uh, you guys were kind of given carte blanche to do what you want to do. You guys had like fun skits and things like that. What was that like
6: you know that was all born out of necessity because what happened was i they asked me if they want to be a commentator because i fight before i watched the fights in the bed in the in the dressing room when i was sitting with marker and there was some pride people there and i said oh look he's going to arm bar him and he go what do you mean he's not arm barred. I said, give it 10 seconds and 10 seconds later he arm bars him and i was and he go how do you know i go, "Well, you can see the setup And then I did it again with a knee bar, with Sakuraba, who was rolling into a knee bar. I said, oh, he's going to roll him into a knee bar. And he goes, boss, he's not doing anything. I said, again, give me a few seconds. And that's literally how I got my job. Wow. Did you ever think about commentating? Because next month, over two months, we're going to have the pride, you know, the the tournament. And I said, okay, I'll go. Now, I didn't know anything about, I never paid uh, uh, attention to commentators. I had no clue. I swear to God that I had to wear a suit. So I didn't bring a suit. So I went over there and they're laughing. They say, hey, where's your suit? I said, what do you mean? He said you bro- brought a suit? I said, No, I said, Are you serious? And I'm there in my shorts and my Hawaiian shirt. And he goes, I swear to god, I said, Nobody <laughs> told me to a shirt. I'm so dumb. So they said, Oh, what do we do now? So that's how the skit was born. Because right. now I was in the backstage, in backstage with like six or, or eight geishas, g- they right. were fanning me down and I was yep. telling stories. You know, I fought these 20 guys and they were attacking me and I beat the grab out. And then Stephen was inside and he would throw it to me, he was opening the show throw it to me. I talked about a little bit with all these girls fanning me down and it went back to Stephen. And then suddenly the people said, man, that was really funny. We should keep doing that. And boom, suddenly we start opening every show with one of those little skits. So, but the first one was because of necessity.
0: I love it. I love it. That kind of like encompasses what pride was all about because it, it was a different product. I, I know mixed martial arts wasn't, you know, what it was then today, uh, you know, in the United States, but it, it was just, it, it was a big part show. And that's one thing that the Japanese culture has always, uh, implemented. What did you think when you saw things like, you know, Zulu fighting Fedor Emelianenko and, and things like that? Because, uh, I, I mean, I, I love the show, but there were times where I'm like, okay, so why is the greatest heavyweight in the world right now beating up on this, this poor man?
6: Yeah. Yeah, they, they made some uh, some weird decisions sometimes. But you know what? They were filling out. The right. small show was 44,000 people. And the big show was 48,000 people. I mean, who we went freaking to? to, to uh, out, the the uh, to when we were outside the Dynamite, it was 91,500 people. That's I mean, crazy. so they were filling up the space because people eating it up. Bob Sapp coming in. Yeah. And we had dinner with him one time. And one person from the outside looked inside. They saw Bob Sapp. And. I mean, within 20 minutes, we need protection to leave at the back door because the whole everything is packed. Because everybody wanted to see Bob F. It was insanity. And all these great fighters they came crow pop, you know, Fedor Emelianenko, you know, the, the fun things that they let us do. I did this really fun thing one time, really fast because they said the bus tour. We called it the bus tour. We're going backstage at prize fighting championships, and I was showing the people at home. You Know these are the dressing room, this is the doctor's office, blah blah blah. We, I went through everything. So I'm walking into the doctor's office, and right away when I walk in, I open the door and I see all these little P tests, these cups with little P in it, and, okay. and, and with names on them. So right away I close the door again and I say to I tell the, the the camera crew, I say, one second, let me go inside first. Let me ask these people if it's okay that we come in. So I'm walking in, I close the door, I grab a, a, a little cup, I put green tea in it, and I put a little th- I look, make it look exactly the same as all the pee there, and I and then I open the door again, I say, hey, it's okay, we can come in. So I walk in, and I'm looking at this, the doctors, and I'm sharing everything, oh, hey, how are you doing? And I'm, I'm like, oh, look at this, there's the pee test from the fighters. And they go like, wow, that's weird. I said, wouldn't it be crazy if you can literally taste what fighter it is? And they're looking at me like, <laughs> what am I going to do? And I take the cup with the, with the green tea, and I go... And they're freaking out, you know. Oh go, my God. <laughs> I got, I think it's Coleman or Takata. It's the <laughs> they were freaking out. I love it. it. The most hilarious thing ever. So, uh, those things I like because she could do it. In the price right. fight They, like you said, they gave you car bludge.
0: Yeah. Um. One thing that I love too was just you know the the big checks and the trophies and and all the pomp and circumstance. The the fighter parade is something that you know other promotions still to this day try to replicate because it it, it was something uh different. Boss, how did you never end up in the pride ring yourself fighting?
6: I was almost um when Ken Shamrock came because Ken was the only. Uh, uh, loss of my record i i, I didn't revenge afterwards when i got my ground game together mm-hmm. so uh and then uh, Ken said we already did it twice we don't need to do it a third time so it, uh, it didn't happen but that was for me i really wanted it. then there was talk that i was going to fight vanderley silva on the dynamite show okay because uh they wanted first to do uh, uh, uh pride i said listen i've been tr- i haven't been training for five years right i mean you got to give me a little bit of these but since it's a, it, it's a co-promotion with the k1 why don't we do this? Because everybody wants to see a strike anyway. Mm-hmm. we put on MMA gloves, uh, pride gloves, and we do Thai boxing rules. I think people are going to love that. And uh, they're sure. So, but then they, they chose another fighter. And people go, oh, he's afraid of you. And, uh, 100% he was not afraid of me. It's absolutely not that. It was just more, made more sense for them. Uh, to pick somebody else, but that that was the two times that I was very close. Well, to,
0: uh, we, we we loved you in the booth, you know, whether it was with Mauro or or Stephen Quadros. It, it, it's a it's a very special place in uh, I think hardcore mixed martial arts fans nostalgia. And uh, one thing that I love is the fact that it's all available on demand uh, over at UFC Fight Pass. And uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back and maybe relive. Some of the, uh, the classic fights and you mentioned the, um, K1 co-promotion pride fighting championships uh was able to get some k1 standouts to come over and and try their hands at, at mixed martial arts and, and one man that did that uh was Mirko krokop and krokop found uh, a lot of success early in his mixed martial arts career and he he found his way inside the uh, 2004 pride heavyweight grand prix uh and i, I don't want to say that they were giving him uh, a gimme fight by any means because as we know in mixed martial arts there's no th- thing that exists as a, as a gimme fight, but uh, they did put Murko Krokop in there with the monster Kevin Randleman, and Kevin Randleman may very well be uh, the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, athletes to ever fight in mixed martial arts, and you know he's coming off two losses here. This is a, a fight boss that should have been a showcase for Randleman, but uh, little did anyone know that Randleman was going to pull off one of the biggest upsets in mixed martial arts history.
6: This was this, this one of my favorite fights to watch because you know, Kevin, first of all, is such a freaking great guy, always there for everybody. And the up is nice too. But you know, the he, he perfectly set it up. You will see this in a moment. You know, he takes a really fast shot at Krokov, and Krokov blocks it because that was his ability. That's why Krokov was so good. He was K1 level striking, but he trained with his great rosters from Croatia. And I mean, these guys had trouble taking him down, so nobody could take him down anymore. The, the, the monster. I mean, if you take that, if you see that sh- shot that he does it a little bit, you'll be amazed how fast that is. Because, he, like you said, he was just such an incredible athlete. Yeah, he, he stopped it. He,
0: Heath Herring is on uh, the commentary team with you guys, and obviously Heath had lost to Krokop. He's kind of pulling for you know his American brother here and Kevin Randleman, and this is the fight right now that I think everybody thought we would have to see for Kevin to win. But this is why mixed martial arts is so great because like you said in a moment we're going to see you know a wrestler utilize that wrestling to set up one of the most devastating shots uh, we've ever seen
6: yeah this was fun i mean and also for me with because maro maro gets so involved in fighting like yeah. he's in this bubble and he's connected disconnected from the entire world and if you see him and after this fight you will hear it right well i think he's going to take a really fast shot right here somewhere i believe Should, on a little bit there it right is there. there it goes and that sets up this next move that's going to happen because Korkov thinks it's another takedown oh my goodness and move the left to glance and I watch when when he starts dropping those hammer fists and then hear Korkov Pro- here
0: Maro It, like, he, I have to have the volume turned down on Morrow Boss because it'll just blow up everyone's speakers at home. Like, that is I how remember. much he's yelling. I told yesterday, my daughter
6: I was literally looking like this, like, what the heck? Because he was standing and he said this
0: whole thing. And yeah. It was such a great call later hearing it back. It was so awesome. It, it was unbelievable. It was one of those fights that, you know, no one saw coming. I mean, to, to have a time machine and go back and, and put a bet on Kevin Randleman, we'd all be, you know, billionaires, I think, uh, today. But but looking at, at this fight, I'll, I'll never forget it, boss, because, um, you know, there was that time delay on the pay-per-view uh, here in the United States, and I had seen a, a photo with Mirko Krokop flat on his back on the mat, unconscious, with Randleman in the corner with his hands up, uh, playing yeah. to the crowd, and I thought it was a Photoshop. Like, I had yeah. seen the spoil uh, the yeah. spoiler for the fight, and I was just like, there, there's no way that Kevin Randleman is going to knock out Murko Krokop. But that's the thing uh, about Kevin. Yes, he's a, a phenomenal wrestler, a former UFC champion, um, and yes, his his bread and butter is going to be that Hammer House ground and pound, but you cannot sleep on the man's power in his hands, and Murko Krokop saw that uh, in 2004.
6: Yeah, it's I mean it's just too much power. I mean, we're talking about a guy who had an uh, an accident in a whole truck and an SUV letting on him and he pushed it off. I mean, <laughs> that's that's the kind of power we're talking about. It's very hard to move, let me tell you that, because him and my guard is like, Wow, dude. It uh it was a tough fight. He really beat the crap out of my face, also. So uh yeah, fun memories though. Fond memories. That and still you know, because we, we really connected afterwards, we became uh good friends. It was uh It was a a good guy. He was a really good man. And and then, of course, uh, you're probably going to go into this because that was the fight with Krokov. Right. Then he faces right away after Krokov, he faces Fedor Emelianenko, right?
0: I mean, this was like a punishment almost. Like, okay, (laughs) you screwed up the, you know, number one, number two seed in this uh, Grand Prix tournament. So now we're going to put you in there with the Pride Heavyweight Champion and and Fedor Emelianenko. And boss, I'm not going to lie. I literally felt... Bad for Kevin Randleman getting this. I, I mean, it was an opportunity to say the least, but you, you just pull off one of the biggest upsets, and for your troubles, we're going to put you in there with the best heavyweight, maybe best pound for pound fighter in the world. Like, I'm sure yeah. Kevin was up to the challenge, but my God, like, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. That was, that was what we were just talking about. They made these really weird decisions, you know. Look at
6: Sakuraba, you know. He right. got demolished And then, like, oh, watch this. This is happens right into the middle of the fight. Oh, my God. So I thought this is it. He just killed the guy, you know. And then somehow, Fedor is Fedor, right? Goes with a very nice reversal. Whoop, there we go, one, two, three. He reversed the whole situation. And immediately he's going to go for a
0: a few more, I believe, here. And and this is the thing, too, I think people don't understand. Fedor at this time had one loss on his record, and it was a cut due uh, to an elbow from Siyoshi Kosaka, uh, which lasted 17 seconds. Outside of getting rocked by uh, Kazuyuki Fujita, Fedor never looked vulnerable whatsoever. And I thought Randleman, in that moment, when he dumped Fedor on his head, had pulled off the two single greatest upsets back-to-back in the history of mixed martial arts. And, you know, that just says a a lot about the ability that Kevin Randleman had, but also who he was as a person. Because, again, you just knock out Murko Krokop and your reward, or, in my opinion, punishment, is Fedor Emelianenko. He never backed down, boss.
6: Never backed down. Yeah, he really knows for that also. It didn't matter for him. He just wants to fight and look what a, the sportsmanship that he had, also. Yeah, you know, help people, and uh, and you should see him with the fans in Japan, but everywhere, you know, he was just, uh, it was just an amazing, amazing person.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was always, uh, you know, by the side of Mark Coleman and, and some of Coleman's, uh, you know, biggest fights. And uh, I remember uh, Randleman's, like main job as the corner of of Coleman was to remind Mark to breathe. Because Mark wouldn't breathe all the time. He'd kind of hold his breath. And, and you know, when when you start to see uh, Coleman turn that special shade of purple, uh, yeah. you know, bad things were on the horizon. But that I'll just never forget Randleman screaming, breathe, breathe. And, and it was, like, just a signature style. Like, I, I know that mixed martial arts was new in that marketing uh, side of things. But Kevin Randleman, he just had a brand of intensity about him. I mean, the, the tattooed eyes in the back, his, his red wrestling shoes, like... There was only one monster.
6: I wanted. I, I we talked a bunch of times about it when we was fighting championship. And if I could get a, my hands on that guy for six months, let me build him up with with every single punch. Go back to the basics, and then that body, that freak athlete, yeah, and give him striking skills. He's I'm,
0: we clearly have the power. I mean, he he knocked out Krokop with his less dominant hand. It was a left punch, hook. It didn't even load
6: it up. Yeah, <laughs> bang. I mean, yeah, no, he's got big powers. You can only imagine once you start breaking things down and really focusing on it. Ooh, that's a very scary fighter right there.
0: That that's one thing that I will remember about Kevin. Uh, most importantly, is is his passion, just not for mixed martial arts, but for for everything. And he was one of those ride-or-die guys. Either you were with him or you were against him. And uh, it actually leads me to a, a story I wanted to ask you about. I've heard this story uh, many a times uh, it, coming up in, in the sport of mixed martial arts in, in my job. I worked for Sure.com for the better part of a, a decade and a half. And, uh, Jeff Sherwood tells a story about being in the Tokyo Hilton and someone had said something apparently uh, about Kevin on the the forum over at Sherdog and Kevin found out about it and apparently was trying to beat down the door of one Jeff Sherwood. And, and he got in and Jeff tells me that boss Rootin is the man who maybe saved Jeff Sherwood's life that night. Do you remember this?
6: <laughs> no, you listen, those are just it, 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 intentions. They go really hard at that moment. He's an emotional guy, you know? That's what we all are fighters, you know? And uh, and, and he's great. But, uh, you know, you, as soon as you explain to him what's going on, then he immediately knows it's, right. it's not a problem, you know? I mean, it's like it's like these people who are insane and they start screaming against the waiter because the, 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 the food is bad. Right. And it's just the messenger, you know? And yeah. You, you simply say, dude, hey, that's not his fault. It's a forum. It's open forum. Right. You go, oh, shit. Yeah, shit. You see? But that's what emotions do to people well look at politics politics right right through emotions we can't think clear anymore so yeah no that was uh, that was an easy save like
0: well, I, <laughs> I can tell you Jeff Sherwood still appreciates it uh, to this day because there's nothing like a, a mad Kevin Randleman trying to beat down uh, your door um, you know another story I heard boss and maybe you can sh- shed some light on it you were getting frequent flyer miles like crazy going back uh, and yeah. forth to uh, Japan. I heard someone tried to rush the cockpit one time, and, and you uh, you gave him a nap. Do you remember this? No. No? That's what no. I hear. I, I heard someone try to beat down the door, and you gave him a little sleepy hug. No no, 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 that I didn't do. I, I wish, because I would have told you. <laughs> really? All right. All right. Well, yeah. there you know, Th- that that's what's great about fight stories, right? Like, sometimes they're true, sometimes they're not. You never know what is lore and what is... Uh, you,
6: and, know, you know, fiction. some of these stories, and I, I started like, when you go back in time, and then these stories start growing, you know, right. and suddenly a guy goes, "Like I was there when you fought these six guys, I go, oh, wait, it was five, you know, it's like, it starts every time they start adding things to it, and in the beginning, yeah, a long time ago, kind of really don't care because it's kind of cool, you know, but then slowly you start thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Now right. getting out of the course, right. this is not. This is not. We got to stop this
0: now. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely uh, funny how that works out uh over the years. I, I mean, obviously, we watched two fights with with Kevin Randleman. Um, you, you were a part of some of the biggest events over there. I mean, 90,000 people, like you were talking about. It's just unfathomable for for combat sports. Uh, you know, as a as a fan that uh, grew up here in the, in the United States, D- do you feel like that market can ever be built back up again to to what it once was with pride i
6: i think it got tarnished a lot uh by the whole the yakuza deal and everything you know and right people are very, you know, now every company that comes they automatically assume because this is people that's how we are you know that it's another one of those companies so yeah that's a shame because i remember the first time when uh, dana white was there with chuck Liddell. I remember yeah he 2003 it because he was going to face in the middleweight tournament yep. a fight in the middleweight tournament and I remember the opening of the show started, and I look back and I see him with his mouth open. And he, he looks at me and I go, crazy, right? And he goes, It's like, what the heck? He's never seen anything like it. It was so big the packages they did on these fighters, which yeah. they didn't show somehow in the United States, which made no sense to me. They only kept it in Japan. I'm pretty sure you can find those the, the packages of Fader and Krokop. Yep. You know that. I mean, when 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 Krokop when came up, he had tears. he was he was crying. I mean, he just saw his, him sitting at his father's grave, and you saw these corpses floating in a, a river that's floating with bodies and with, uh, with, with with ice. It was very eerie. And then you see them train, and he is the high, super clean gym, like freaking Ivan Drago. And then you go to uh, Fedor, and Fedor is running in the snow, and then right. so it's a rusty kettlebells. He's swinging those, you know. And then you see him on you know, this spick and spank, beautiful back kicking, ball, bang, it, ball, bang, and bang, it. and then we're back to Fedor, you know. And I go, dude, why don't they show this in America? This is But, you know, this was a different mindset at the time because they made the fighters so famous. And, you know, if fighters get famous, well, they can ask a lot of money. And maybe that was one of the reasons. I have no clue. But that to me, that
0: was the best thing of Pride Fighting Championship. 100%. Uh, we'll close with this. This is uh, something that I, I don't think would ever fly in today's uh, broadcast uh, of Mixed Martial Arts, but it's one of my favorite things uh, ever. It's a personality that oh, many yeah, people know. Uh, obviously, Jackson. El Wapo, Quentin, Boss Rutan, but uh, you're uh, hanging Quentin, out with Quentin Jackson, who you can't see because he's in Quentin. camo. Again, oh, you, you know, are. the fun little camo. skits, but, I uh, <laughs> you know, th- I, I feel like this is where Quentin really found himself before coming over to the UFC and he, he was a really well-polished sort of uh, character by the time he got to the UFC because of things like this that you did with him eating his fried chicken in this interview.
5: <laughs> yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah. He was such a character. I remember the very first time oh, when he fought such I mean, the crap that he I went through, he had to lose now. so many pounds before that fight. He was in jail before the fight because something right happened here one time so in the States. The uh, apparently, a fight or whatever it was, and they, they, they arrested him. Somebody was angry about him, an ex-manager or whatever it yeah. was. Called the police and when he went on board, they grabbed him. So now they were had a problem because he was going to face Sakuraba. So they literally went over to America. They made a picture. They 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 were really smart at spinning this thing. Him in front of the police station, right? He got the chain around his neck. And now he came into America. And he's all the newspapers. That big picture of him in front of the police station that they just picked him up. And then he's going to face Sakuraba. And then the way he performed against Sakuraba was like. What the heck? I remember we had a conversation with him, uh, Stephen Quarles and myself afterwards. I go, dude, you keep this. You're going to be so famous. I mean, this was such a close fight that you had to lose so much weight yesterday. Yeah. They did everything, you know, to kind of make him weaker almost, it looked like. Plus, he had all the stress from the whole police station thing. With him, right. And then still he pulled off the performance like that. And that's boom. That's where he hit fire. I think he recognized it and just started focusing on fighting and Boy, oh boy, you know, personality, personality and fighting skills. If you mix those two up, uh, you're going to have a good paycheck.
0: Yeah, I mean... No one will ever forget, uh, Rampage's time in Pride, the slam of Verona out of that triangle. And, and then when he comes over to the UFC, you know, with the chain and the howling, it's just uh, unbelievable stuff. You were there for the, uh, really the origin story of Pride FC. And, uh, boss, I appreciate your, uh, time reliving some of it here. Uh, you know, Pride Never Die Month, it's every April, April on, a uh, UFC Fight Pass. And, uh, no, we'll have to do this again because there's a lot more, I think, in the can that we can relive and maybe add more context to, uh, you know, in hindsight.
6: You just let me know, brother. It's uh, you. Just let me know. You know when you when you call me, you text me. My phone still said TJ from Sherdog. I just changed it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so that's how long I know you. It's a good thing <laughs> I never
0: changed my number.
6: Yeah, yeah. No, it was all the same. TJ from Sherdog. It said not awesome. TJ to something. All right, so, um,
0: boss. I appreciate the time, sir. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to it. Maybe next April we'll we'll dive down the Pride of Sea Well once again. Sounds good, brother. Thank you, sir. We are on the dying days of Pride Never Die Month on UFC Fight Pass. And uh, no better time than ever than right now to go over and uh, really enjoy the entire catalog. Uh, you know, I was looking in uh, the Twitch chat and, and Facebook and, and people talking about their pride memories. Uh, you know, Boss never fought in pride, but he was one of the biggest stars, uh, to say the least. And then he had people like Butterbean. Butterbean was brought up on Twitch. Um, I mean, it, it was just a show of a completely different shade of mixed martial arts and and one that can be relived anytime available for you on UFC Fight Fast. This stat blows my mind, though. Um, I I noticed this uh, last year. During the pandemic When I was just sitting in my room Looking at the fight stuff uh, You know a lot of people talk about how Pride didn't have issues with eye pokes And and, and the gloves were better and, and yada 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 Look at the whole history of Pride And compare it with the UFC And how many more groin shots and, and eye pokes did you see Think about this In the 10 year history That Pride Fighting Championships was in existence They put on 500 fights Approximately 500 fights believe- UFC does that in a single calendar year That is freaky. An entire history of Pride Fighting Championships doesn't even equal the amount of uh, fights that the UFC puts on in one calendar year. Like I said, every single fight available for you from Pride Fighting Championships right now on UFC Fight Pass. We'll be back Saturday night immediately following the UFC Fight Card. Dominic Reyes taking on uh, Yuri Prohaska. Hopefully you will tune in. Uh, Myself, Pearl Gonzalez, Dean Thomas, going to be rapping about all things coming out of the Apex on Saturday night in Las Vegas. want to thank all of our guests, Mercedes Lewis, for coming on the air. Um, Boss Rutten, Pearl Gonzalez, Ray Longo, and you watching on Twitch and on Facebook. You can always get at us anytime. You can always text 917-UFC-TALK, give us a call, leave a voicemail. Uh, listen to the show on podcast wherever you download podcasts, Google, Spotify, Spreaker, Apple, of course, all that fun business. And if there's a place you want the podcast that it doesn't live right now, let us know uh, at TJ us on Twitter. All right, that's it. Thanks for going a few extra rounds on UFC Fight Pass. We'll talk soon.
3: from UFC Fight Pass is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only.